Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Content Experience Show podcast. My name is Anna Harak from Convince and Convert, and I'm here with the always amazing Randy Frisch from Uberflip. Now, this week, we had a very special guest. We had Rob Mills, who is the content strategist for Gather Content. And we talked about... I don't want to call it the unsexy side of content, but it's a lot of those key pieces that maybe some people don't like to talk about, right? Everybody loves the shiny, you know, execution of content. They love seeing things published. But what we discovered and what Randy and I have talked about before, but what we've dug into even further with Rob are things like governance and workflow and collaboration. It's the stuff that people just don't talk about, right, Randy? It's so true. But, you know, I, I think what I took away from Rob, and it's interesting, is, is you get to know Rob listening to this podcast, you'll see that he's got a lot of experience with that planning process over the years, working with, you know, a variety of different ways uh, in agencies and, and actual teams as he is today to get content out the door. And what I found most interesting, you know, a bit of a spoiler alert at the, at the end of this podcast is how he describes the people you need on your team to do this. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of us struggle with as we're looking to build out an efficient content team to to accomplish this. And uh, it wasn't necessarily Rob's framework, but I don't know, Anna. The one I always talk about with my team is the idea of people, process, and technology. And he had some different words that he used to describe that, but I think it's always a good way to think about how are we going to do this, right? Um, you know, a lot of time that that image that we see in you know different blog posts and things is a triangle showing the three points and you know how it's that solid approach to getting work done. Yeah, it's, I mean, everything we talked about was just so key for success. And again, it's the stuff that people either skim over or they don't pay enough attention to, but it is. I mean, so much of our success with content is completely dependent upon who is on our team and the roles that are within it. And Rob, at the very end of the podcast, um, gives just such an amazing overview of his sort of wish list for his teams or when people are constructing their teams. And I think what was so interesting too is, especially coming from my content background, some people have the tendency to think that you know a writer is a writer is a writer, and that because they write, they can proof, they can edit, um, and it's it's just not that way. And and Rob gives some really valid points for why all of these different roles should be broken out, even though we have a tendency to lump them under writer. The other thing that I found really interesting too is just again that workflow and collaboration process. And you know, again, I think it's sexy. I think it's the sexy part that everybody should be talking about. But um, it's just so critical. It really is. You can have all of these great content pieces, but if you don't have that workflow in place, it's all going to just fall apart. Awesome. Well, hopefully, we've tempted everyone to stick around for this podcast. We want your time to be uh, made made well well spent with us here at Connex. And without further ado, here's the interview with Rob. Mm-hmm. 
Rob, thank you so much for joining us today. I am such a huge fan of Gather Content, and I've been a massive fan of the content you and your team have been producing for quite some time. So thank you so much for being here with us today. No trouble at all. Thank you for asking me. Yes. Well, just to give everybody a little overview of Rob, would you mind telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Rob, which I think is uh, already clear from the intro. Uh, I'm a content strategist for Gather Content. Um, I'm actually based in Cardiff in Wales in the in the UK, so we're a remote team of 22 people. Um, I've been there for three years this month. It was three years. Uh, and prior to that, I worked for um, agencies as a studio manager, project manager, head of content type person for uh, three different agencies over a course of four, seven to eight years. Um, and before that, I was an audience research executive for the BBC, uh, and I graduated in journalism. So words and content has been the sort of constant theme throughout my career path, I suppose. Nice. That is a, oh my God, I love that, that entire content background. Um, but it's funny though, because you actually kind of glossed over, you're like, oh, I'm a content strategist to gather content, but you actually do a ton at gather content, right? You do UX content, you do planning, governance, you have a team that you kind of work with, right? I mean, can you dig in a little more about sort of everything you do on a day-to-day basis at gather content? Yeah, sure. It's, uh, yeah, I guess I, when I started through years ago i think i was employee number nine and we're currently around 22 people so you know that's quite a bit of growth but we're still at the point where everyone has to muck in really so i I, technically i sit on the marketing team um which comprises of marketing director who's also co-founder uh jim uh and then two marketing managers and myself so um the tasks really do vary depending on you know who else is doing what and so on. But you touched on some of the main tasks there. So I do work with a product team on the content within the product itself. So everything down to sort of um, you know UX copy on buttons and call to actions and when we actually name various um, functionality um, within the product as well. Uh, I also uh, am editor of our our blog as well, which is a blog for uh, the content community focused around content strategy. Um, So working with guest um, writers for the blog and writing our own in-house content as well. Um, And leading from that, we have quite a um, big community strategy for resources that we produce. So there's a couple of books that we produced recently, uh, previous guides, webinars, masterclasses. And I uh, I managed the sort of production and editing of all of those written materials, and I um, do the sort of presenting and hosting on the um, on the online sessions as well. Uh, and then I we partner with lots of conferences, and I manage that as well. Sometimes I speak at the events. Um, it just it changes an awful lot. And as you mentioned, I'm involved in the kind of um, ongoing planning, production, and governance of our own content. So that's you know the again the blog, the resources, and things within the product too. Working with customer success. Team, making sure that um, all the help documentation is uh, in line with our style guide, which I also produce, manage, and disseminate to new starters. So yeah, it's it's busy, it's varied, but it's uh, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> just just a few things, just a few extra things in there. I mean, hopefully there's some sleeping going on as well during all of those things at some point. Rob, I'm I'm kind of curious as as you talk about all that content, and I was checking it out at gathercontent.com, and you know it's it's interesting because you've you've got a lot of blog content as you spoke to but you also have a lot of these resources and and some really good content in those resources a lot of guides and a lot of webinars that you just spoke to how do you think as a team because you have a lean team how do you think about conquering kind of that i assume you you consider 
you know, a blog in it and a white paper equal in thought leadership, but the webinar is a little bit more how you and your organization can help. Is that fair to distinguish? Um, I suppose so. I mean, we, we just treat it all really as a kind of um, community or educational strategy. So uh, you know, all the resources we put out there are free and we, um, we really um, are, try to be good advocates and a good kind of go-to resource for educational materials around helping teams be better at delivering content um and that's broad in it in it in itself so you know we do you're right we do have a lot of content out there but we do we do try and approach it from the same stance really like is it is this going to help um a person or a team be better at what they do you know we try to empower them and you know there's certain criteria that we we try and um, include in all of our content to achieve that. So, you know, examples, practical advice, and, and so forth. Uh, but we really do try and come at it from uh, from the same perspective. And you know, it's it's interesting to you know we've we've got quite a bit of work to do to kind of measure the performance of that content and see what formats are kind of resonating. But you know, different people like to consume content in different ways. So, it's really important for us that all of those um, channels and formats are given the same attention. I suppose. I guess I was gonna. I was curious. I mean, because you've got a pretty lean team of four people, but there's a lot of content that you're pumping out. And I was curious. I mean, whether you you want to talk about gather content or whether you want to talk to a lot of the companies that you work with, but maybe you can give us some of the keys to efficiency, right? Because I think that's you know when I talk to marketers these days, you know they're just overwhelmed, and it's not just the content marketing. I mean, it's the content for the organization that bleeds into so many day to day requests. So, what are you know maybe three keys that you could give us that you've seen really helps align a company to produce the amount that they need? Uh, yeah, I mean it is we are a small team, and I think you know, but we we're not producing all of that content ourselves and i think that's one that's one thing you know, our blog is predominantly guest articles at the moment so whilst there's work involved for me in terms of finding those people working with them on the topics you know editing their posts getting them into wordpress and publishing and, and so on um it's not all produced by us i suppose although the majority is um or you know there's still a lot that is rather so i think um in terms of how we manage that i mean don't get me wrong sometimes it's um it's pressured and frantic but you know that that can be a good thing too but i think one of the key things for us is um like a process as in a workflow so actually knowing what we need to do to get content, regardless of the format and the workflow is likely to change, you know, for each format and each channel. But what do we need to do as a team or me as an individual to get the content from, uh, you know, ideation and brief through to being published and then in some cases governed. Um, so having that workflow um, defined and then communicated to everyone involved. So it's clear who is doing what and at what stage. Um, and you know, for that person at a certain stage, what's happened before it's got to them, and what will happen once it's been passed on from them. Uh, so, workflow is absolutely essential, or else I think it's just um, it's just too easy then for content just not to be done because it's just like you know, it's uh, that's when you have bottlenecks if all the content is with one person, and there's all sorts of challenges faced with a lack of uh, a process and workflow. Um, so, that's definitely one thing that you know we rely heavily on is having having a clear workflow. I think just, um, I mean, communication is a huge thing, um, which, you know, I think is true of, you know, certainly all aspects of life. But when it comes to producing content, uh, and, you know, this feeds into collaboration, which 
may well be the third point or could be, you know, communication and collaboration in unison for the second point. But you have to have um, good communication to get content done, you know, certainly if it's a small remit for content, but when you're scaling upwards, then it becomes even more imperative that, you know, um, you're able to communicate efficiently and, you know, everyone knows what's going on and what the latest status is. And, you know, again, this feeds into the workflow as well. So having the, um, having the channels and the tools to be able to communicate and collaborate effectively is really, really important. Yes, I think that's what we probably rely on most. But then just planning as well. Um, So not just kind of, you know, throwing content over the wall, as we sometimes say. It's not just like, let's just get this out for the sake of it. It's actually having, you know, for some people that might be an editorial planner. um, But it's just having, uh, before you even start any production, a clear um, you know, strategy, I suppose, um, and to find tactics for achieving that in terms of right, what content are we, are we going to do, making sure that content has a purpose, that, you know, it will, you know, it's um, relevant to your audience and actually planning out what, you, you know, what content you want to produce before you can then obviously get that into the workflow and start collaborating around that. I love everything that you just said. And I think the things that you just touched on, so proper workflow, communication, collaboration, planning, those are things that are all, you know, so unbelievably critical to success as you just elaborated on. But people just aren't having these conversations, or at least it doesn't feel like people are having these conversations as much as they should. Is this kind of what you and your teams are still finding? Yeah, absolutely. And more so recently, I've been, um, as I mentioned at the start, I come from an agency background, but it's three years ago since I, you know, actually worked in an agency. And I'm currently producing some resources um, that will hopefully eventually help agencies take a content-first approach to their website projects, um, kind of educating them on what the return on investment can be on content strategy as a service, um, helping them sell that to their clients. And so as part of that, um, I've been meeting with local agencies um, in my area just to kind of see if my experiences from three years ago are still relevant and still happening. And it's been really interesting. I've met with agencies like small three-person right up to much bigger uh, and, and a few in between as well. And the same fundamental challenges are happening from you know what I experienced when I was agency side and I've been going on from way before I was even you know in this kind of field of work um, and I think you know one agency described it quite nicely to me that they they feel from talking to their clients that there is there has been a maturity around the importance of good content but the fundamental challenges and getting in, in sort of achieving that are still there so we don't have any time we don't have any budget you know we want to get to visuals quickly and you know all those things are still happening um even if people are aware that investing in content is you know beneficial um it doesn't mean that they're in a position where they can actually do that so it's um yeah you're absolutely right there, you know there's there's lots of you know thing there's lots of teams out there producing content without having these conversations you know some are you know and you know, there's a lot, a lot of good content out there but I find content hard to do anyway, you know, creating like a book or an article or a webinar, it takes time, you know, and it's like, it's so much easier if there's a workflow and, you know, all those things I kind of discussed and other things as well. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it does, it was quite an eye opening thing for me to think that, you know, wow, it's still, you know, it's still a a big issue, really. It is a big issue. And, you know, that's not just agencies, that's in-house teams as well. You know, we speak to a lot of higher education um, 
um, teams and, you know, they have huge issues there because there's lots of, you know, stakeholders and subject matter experts and, you know, there's a whole other raft of issues that they're faced with as well. So, yeah, it's definitely still very much um, a challenge for people. Definitely. Well, I think the good news is we're all in the same boat together. Um, Rob, I want to dig more into some of these topics, but before we do, we're going to take a super quick break to hear from our sponsors. So everybody, um, go ahead, stick around um, while you're at it. Go ahead and peruse gathercontent.com slash blog to hear more about what we're going to talk about in just a minute, but we will be right back. TechSmith makes it easy to create professional videos and images. With tools like Snagit and Camtasia, everyone can create custom screenshots, screencasts, and videos, no experience required. Seriously, it's super simple and easy to use. For example, need to share campaign results with people who aren't familiar with what CTA, PPC, or SERP means? Use Snagit to capture results and share them out as screenshots and screencasts. Need marketing videos but don't have a video production team? Camtasia is geared towards those who have never made a video before. Seriously, communicating with visuals like screenshots and video is easy with TechSmith. Visit techsmith.com slash content experience to learn more. That's techsmith.com slash content experience. We're back here on Connex with Rob Mills, and I actually really like this stuff because we're talking about workflow. And I actually think, Rob, that it's a term that people kind of throw around loosely. You know, sometimes when I'm interviewing for content rules here, people will be like, oh, it's all about the workflow I put in. And I'm like, tell me about that workflow. And then no one has anything good. But I know you have something good because I was on your guy's blog today, and there's a blog post called how to define a content delivery workflow. So maybe you can give everyone listening here kind of you know, a high level or as detailed as you want framework for what makes a great workflow. I think there's three things that are really um, integral to a great workflow, and that's uh, the stages of that workflow, the people involved, and the tasks that um, need to be achieved by those people at those various stages. It's very much, um, it's kind of like a, like a conveyor belt sort of um, analogy, you know, when you think of content moving through one stage to another. Um, so I think in a lot of cases, it is a linear process. Um, so, you know, some typical stages can be like outline, write, review, edit, approve, publish, you know, so that's very much, you know, one piece of content moving through each of those stages, uh, each of those stages, I beg your pardon. Um, but sometimes it's a lot more complicated than that. I think as you add in, legal review, marketing review, and, you know, if there's um, multilingual content, um, there's, there's, there suddenly becomes, you know, various feedback loops, and that can be hard to manage um, as well. So uh, it's really, there's a couple, I think, of important components. It's like the first thing is to define your workflow uh, and what stages work for you, you know, and I think you have to use language that will resonate with your team, your clients, or whoever is kind of involved in the workflow. So somebody might say, you know, outline is their first stage but for someone else it might be brief you know so it's just little changes in language but it can actually have quite a big impact in terms of how relevant it is to your organization um so defining the stages and you know you know some people it could be literally be a three-step workflow and others it becomes much bigger than that and you know there's lots of people involved um but i think yeah you know stages people and tasks and what you know when you start defining a workflow and you you start to 
you know, visualize it. So it could be that you get everyone in a room together, you do a workshop and you stick in, you know, sticky notes up on the wall for each stage. And then you start adding names to the sticky notes for who's doing what at each stage. It really starts to bring to life the reality of the situation and the content challenge that you're faced with. So it could be, for example, that, you know, someone's name features on like eight of 12 stages of a workflow. And then you can start to ask questions like, is that actually realistic? You know, can Jane achieve all of that? Or you can start to see, identify potential bottlenecks and so on. Um, and then looking more specifically, once you've got the people assigned to stages at the tasks, like what do they actually have to do? So, you know, I think more information is better in this case. So if you're asking someone to review content, for example, make it clear what you need them to review. Is it, um, is it sort of fact-checking inaccuracy against you know, your product catalog or something? Or is it the spelling and grammar? Is it the voice and tone, for example? Is it all of those things? Um, so, yeah, so there, I think stages, people, and tasks are the three main elements of a, a well-defined workflow, I think. I'm not sure if I went off on, on tangent then. Sorry. But, oh my God. No, it was it was gorgeous. I was actually just going to say too. I I kind of lit up over here when you mentioned sticky notes and just getting things on the wall. So I'm also a huge fan of just finding a blank wall or finding a whiteboard and getting some thoughts out with sticky notes. I feel so bad every time though because it's so not environmentally friendly, but it is so unbelievably productive to just grab a packet of sticky notes and start like throwing ideas on the wall so you can move them and collaborate and, and shift structures. And so I agree. I think that's an awesome and very underutilized trick. The other thing, you you and Gather Content actually go into quite a bit more detail on sort of what you were talking about with content delivery and workflow with your new ebook, actually content delivery. Um, and everybody out there, it's available at gathercontent.com slash books slash content dash delivery. Rob, do you want to tell everybody a little bit more about how it kind of um, contain some of this workflow stuff and then plus more too, like a lot more. Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, the book is actually written by, um, a friend of ours called Liam. So Liam runs a, an agency called Lagom Strategy in the UK and Liam actually, um, he wrote guides for gather content, um, years ago and he continues to do our content strategy masterclass and, um, some webinars, um, and, uh, we, you know, we, we have been chatting to agencies a lot lately, as I mentioned, and we sort of, again, we had this reassurance, not this reassurance, this kind of uh, reiterated that, that, you know, this, these same problems are being faced by various teams. So we decided to write a book on it. And a lot of the content, a lot of the themes in the book, we'd, we produced a lot of content about before, but we, uh, we approached it slightly differently and, and kind of, um, try to add in more practical examples and scenarios and techniques. So, you know, I mentioned, you know, a workshop there, there is uh, some content in the book about running a workshop to define um, your workflow, for example. Um, but it very much is just about, uh, it's aimed at teams, in-house teams and agencies working with clients. And it just, just aims to help them um, assemble a content team, um, get the right kind of processes and workflow in place, uh, some techniques so they can prioritize the content um, and think about the content in phases um, and a sort of technique for calculating the cost of getting content done because that's often underestimated. Um, and, and then like, yeah, and then techniques. That is such a, oh, sorry, that is just such a, a huge question for everybody is actually how much does content cost? And I don't think people realize actually how much it can cost, especially when it's done ineffectively or inefficiently. It's it's such a huge 
hidden costs that people don't typically associate a dollar to. It's it's such a huge thing, and it is hard to assign a cost to it, whether that's in terms of people, time, money. Uh, but in our content strategy masterclass, we do this task with people, and we've we've already by the time we get to this task, Liam's um, outlined a typical content uh, production workflow, uh, and then there's like a Google spreadsheet, and attendees jump into that. So I think the most you can have is fifty in there. So we have fifty people in there. And we asked them to calculate how much time it will take to get a simple 750-word um, web page through that typical workflow. So it's like, is, you know, is writing the brief going to take half an hour, an hour, you know, 15 minutes, wherever it may be. Um, so they're free just to put their numbers down. And across all of the classes that we've done, uh, and there's quite a lot now over the years, the average for that small page comes out at around 15 hours um to get it through that workflow and that's quite scary when you scale that up to an entire website or several websites you know and it's just like and it, and that's why things like we've been talking about on the show already you know workflow um uh, uh you know processes communication collaboration that's why they're so important because you know it takes a long time to get content done properly um so you know the more that you can plan and put in place to help with that obviously the better for those involved. So yeah, it's a huge thing to, you know, if you just kind of go into projects and have no idea what content you've got, what you need, how it's going to get done, who's responsible, what's going to happen when it's live, you know, there's so many facets to content. Absolutely. And you know, you you've hit on another a number of times now on who's responsible for it. I think earlier you talked about, you know, workflow is all about the stages, people and tasks. So I want to, I want to dig on the people because when I went to check out uh, that book that we, we were just talking about, which I, I think can be found at gathercontent.com slash book slash content dash delivery for those looking for this thing. You know, the, there's a whole section in this book on assembling a content delivery team. And, you know, I, I'm going to hit you with a fun question because I think a lot of us as, as marketers always think about building that ultimate team. Let's say you, you had the luxury of, of building out a four to five person content team tomorrow. What would be some of the roles that you would have for those? So, so people sitting here who are trying to always argue for maybe more, more resources, a bigger team, who would be kind of the, the five, four to five people you'd want on your content team in this day and age? Oh, good question. Um, I think a content strategist, obviously that's my job title, although I fill lots of different roles, but a content strategist, or rather, uh, you know, there's so many job titles these days that I think can get bogged down in the sort of semantics of that. But I I just think a content owner, so somebody who is going to take ownership, whether that's like somebody at the agency or the in-house team or client side, but someone who's actually going to be that common thread throughout the entire um, life cycle of a project or the entire workflow, wherever that may be. Um, and I think off, more often than not, that can be a content strategist or is a content strategist, but it's just that person with that entire overview of the content landscape and requirements um, and is the go-to person for, right, what do we need to do, who's involved, when you know, when does it need to be done by, how are we going to get it done, uh, what next, etc. So that's definitely um, an essential role. So that's number one. Um, I think an editor is good. Well, actually, but I suppose before that, there's a writer. And sometimes that can be the content strategist. In our case, it is, although other people within a team also um, produce content for us. But a uh, a copywriter, I suppose. Um, And 
it would be ideal if that person was sort of on the team permanently because they will then get a good understanding of the company culture and personality and voice and tone. But that's, you know, that's not to say that somebody external who's brought in as needed can't learn those things and apply, um, apply that to the writing. So a copywriter, but there's, there's also, um, I think an editor is one of the most important roles in any content team uh, because as a writer I find that sometimes I'm too close to something um, and it's easy to get lost in in the content and so having that kind of um, fresh perspective um, and neutral um, point of view I think is essential to keeping the content on track as well um, if you've got anybody there who's doing sort of um, research external if it's not one of those people who's kind of speaking to the customers and the audience and the users and doing the research then having them involved is essential because obviously they're you know they're on the coal face as you say um with uh, with the people who the content is being produced for so any insights that they've got from the audience would be absolutely essential as well um and then the, the next person or group of people i suppose will vary quite significantly but ultimately it's like the subject matter experts that may well be, um, you know, the copywriter um, or one of the other roles. But if we think of higher ed, for example, then chances are the subject matter expert is the academics, you know, who are actually doing the teaching, um, who may not be writing the content for the website. So having their involvement is um, is essential as well. So subject matter experts. And if I may be so bold as to sneak in a sixth one. <laughs> the more the merrier. Yeah, which which could well be one of the um, two or three roles I've already mentioned. But I truly believe in the value of a proofreader. Now, I know that the editor will go through the content and, and so on, but somebody who is completely new to it, proofreading the content, because we did it recently with the content delivery book um, and you know the insights that they were able to provide and the little things that we didn't catch were so valuable to getting that book to the, the standard that it was. Um, because again, you, I read that book so many times before we actually shared it with people that I was reading it, but not reading it, if that makes sense. You know, I was, I was looking at the words and they were just, you know, they, they just weren't really sinking in anymore. So getting a completely fresh perspective, um, would be really, really valuable and time well spent. Completely agree. Especially as a content creator myself, it's, you know, I know exactly what you're saying about reading your own words the way you wanted it to be read versus how it actually was typed out um, as you were sort of getting all these thoughts out. Um, Rob, I think Randy and I are in perfect alignment with you and love that you have sort of broken down this team structure into all those people and, and sort of justified why they are so important because they really are. All those roles are so important, um, which I think also lends perfectly into, blends back into our conversations about governance and collaboration and workflow. Randy, um, we have some personal questions for Rob after this, but Rob, we would love for you to stick around. You have given us so much amazing professional advice and so much, um, so many fabulous tips and tricks. We'd love to get to know a little bit more about you on the personal side. All right, Rob. So, so this is the uncomfortable or comfortable part, but I promise to make it pretty painless on the get to know you side. Cause I'm actually curious on this one. This is a game that we play with every new person that starts up at Uberflip at my company, uh, where we get to know them, but they're all really have the same answers. And it's, it's, what are you watching on Netflix? And the reason I'm interested 
is because Netflix is global. Its content is global, but its content is also very personalized to the regions. And being from the UK, I'm like so intrigued as to what you're going to ask. Answer. Um, I think I spend more time looking for something to watch on Netflix than I do actually watching something on Netflix <laughs> every day. You know, oh, let's just quickly put something on. Half an hour later, still looking. Um, I recently finished watching uh, The Sinner, um, which is eight episodes. Binged that in the weekend. Um, that was really good. And um, for me, it was good because I actually didn't know where it was going to go. You know, often, you know, you read spoilers or, you know, there's so much stuff that's made this just predictable because it follows a certain formula. Uh, but that really did um, keep me interested. So that was uh, that was a good one. Um, I do also love binging How to Get Away with Murder. So I've recently done series three of that. It's so sort of um, far-fetched, but I like it for that, uh, which is good. Um, and what I've got queued up yet uh, next, I haven't watched it, but in the last week i just keep seeing it everywhere everyone telling me to watch it it's called wild wild country um so i've got that i've got that ready to go and um we've got a long weekend now in the uk coming up for uh, the easter break so we should get a chance to kind of get stuck into that that show is nuts we are about three episodes in and it's truly crazy um definitely a highly recommend very well done Really interesting. All right. I got some good recommendations. The funny thing is, I guess Netflix is connecting us all over the world because it used to be like, oh, we don't get that in this part of the world. But now now we all have the same content. We can all be friends so easily. Um, so Rob, I know that you are also, in addition to creating content every single day, uh, you're also an avid, avid reader, correct? Uh, I try to, not as much as I'd like to, but where possible, I, I, yes, that's true. So what was the last non-business book that you loved? Oh, well, the last one I finished, and this was three days ago, was Northern Lights, which is the first book in the, um, Philip Pullman, um, trilogy so just finished that so that wasn't a work-related book that was the one um i don't know if you're familiar with the trilogy but they made the trilogy the book trilogy into the golden compass the film which i don't rate but the the first book of that was uh was very good so that was good um i haven't yeah i haven't seen the film but i know what you're talking about it got kind of okay reviews yeah yeah and i think that was perhaps a bit generous dare i say but um and then uh, the book i finished before that was called after the crash and it's what i would describe as a bit of a trashy novel but i was on holiday at the time and it was perfect for a couple of days on the beach so you know pretty easy viewing uh, easy reading sorry um so that was um that was when i finished before that it was really good it was really good sometimes you need a really good beach book like just something super easy quick fast fun and just it's i love those books i think they're great to have in between absolutely yeah definitely awesome well rob thank you so much for joining us today it has been wonderful getting to talk to you and getting to know you really appreciate it and just coming on and bringing your perspective really love it for everybody out there again reminder to go to gathercontent.com slash blog for all of the wonderful content that rob talked about on behalf of randy frisch at uberflip i'm anna harak from convince and convert this has been connex the content experience show podcast you can find this podcast pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts these days, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and at contentexperienceshow.com. Do us a favor. When you do find us, leave us a message and let us know what you love and what you'd like to hear more of. We love your feedback. Until next time. 
Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you all next week. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.